0: It's a fun Friday and it's so wonderful that all of you have joined us uh, watching or listening because get set on Monday, it is Tata Lit Live 2020, 16th to the 22nd, and it's called Virtual Festival Real Books. Please to welcome Founder and Festival Director, Anil Dharkar, who keeps his annual appointment with me. How are you doing? I hope the family and you are safe and healthy is the most important question we need to ask each other in this pandemic. Well, we're all
1: okay. We've been rostered in our... Life little flat, and we do run out for little drives. I drive the car, and yes. these are our only outings. But I, I suppose that's common with everyone. You don't want to take chances. And in fact, we were invited to some rather nice dinners last week, and Amy put her foot down and said, why do you want to take a risk at this point? And she was right. So I, I down my sorrows in an extra single malt and stayed at home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anil has been doing the most wondrous social service sending out newspapers and publications uh, to yours truly and a whole other bunch of people who are starved of great reading but that's that's we digress that's another story now listen a lot of people must have told you let's not do if Wimbledon didn't happen in 2020 you know people must have told you Anil Dharker, let's go straight to 2021 but you decided along with the team to do this virtually let's talk about that first and who are your collaborators on this because you've got to have have a massive tech team pulling you through this one
1: you know Rishi, we went through phases and I, I remember early on say in around uh, june or july we said come on by november <clears throat> because the dates were set already we had booked ncpa as usual uh, title waves in pandra prithvi theater and they we were all booked a year in advance and we said fine by then everything will be over the pandemic will be over we'll be back to normal in August, we said, uh, well, it doesn't look so sure now. And so let's maybe we'll do part virtual, part in the theater. By October, we knew, we saw the writing on the wall and said, we either do it completely virtual or not at all. But you know, Vishik, the important thing to note is that this is not a decision only I can take. It's a team effort, as you mentioned. The team, the Literature Live team was always there. There was never a doubt that could do it qtp which does the online all the online work was now going to have to tread new ground which was the virtual world but most of all it was tata the tata group at no point did tata say that let's not have it this year and i think that was vital they said we are with you but let's do it all virtually let's do it Perhaps in a smaller scale, which of course was wishful thinking because when it comes to the festival, my ambition is unbounded, much to the dismay of everyone else. So from the normal four days, it became seven days. From the normal 60 sessions, it became 90 sessions. The normal 125 or 130 people, it became 175 people participating. So actually, the virtual festival has become much, much bigger than the normal festival. And it's not just bigger, it's also, I think, better in the sense of what we have in terms of participants, the caliber of participants. So what people will miss out of a physical festival, you know, all the getting together, meeting the authors, hearing them in person, getting a book signed, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which are so much a part and parcel of every book festival. We make up in, to some extent by having all these great names, many of them in the US, who uh, would normally be uh, reluctant to make the huge long journey coming here on our screens. So there are compensations. As some very, very astute observer said, to every dark cloud, there's a silver lining.
0: Tata lit live. Yeah sessions are absolutely free 16 to the 22nd you don't even need to register the only reason you can register is if you want to ask questions in certain sessions so it's on Instagram on Twitter on Facebook as well as the website absolutely free and at on the website you will find a full schedule I'm very excited that Amy Tan is here Lord Jeffrey Archer is here and Ian McEwan is here now Ian and yourself are gonna have a conversation he's a Booker Prize winner Somerset Maugham Award winner let's talk about Uh, that and then move on to Lord Jeffrey Archer and Amy Tan, these three heavyweights. Uh,
1: Well, Ian McKeown and I, we we are opening the festival on the 16th evening. He's a writer I've admired for a very long time and I've been trying to get him for the festival. This time he agreed to my great pleasure and I said instead of uh, letting someone chat with him, I'll do that. You know, for me, many of his books have a personal resonance. There's a book called Saturday, which takes place just on that one Saturday in London. He set it in, in London at the, near the university area where I went as a student. So all those places are so familiar to me. The streets, the, the, the library, the university library, the halls of residence. I know all those things. I've lived there. And I went there, even after I stopped being a student, I'd go there. So they are part of me. And so the book is something I own in a very personal way. But also it's a fabulous book, even if you didn't have that connection. Then his latest book, which is Machines Like Me, which which talks about a future not very far away where human robots so human that they become part of a family. There is the male robot, which is Adam, and a female robot, which is Eve. And you buy them; they're only limited numbers are available. And through interactions with these robots, he's built up a whole story. And then you suddenly realize that uh, in future, robots will not just be robotic in the sense we understand it today, but can be programmed to actually have feelings. So we have Adam falling in love with the protagonist's wife, and it leads to a lot of emotional complexities. Plus. A robot is programmed to see what is right and what is wrong, uh, moral questions. So, the book brings in moral questions as well. Uh, so, these are some of the things we'll talk about, Ian McEwen and me, and I really look forward to that.
0: Lord Archer, I mean, there's nothing uh, that he hasn't done. He's run for uh, a public office, he's been in prison, <laughs> <laughs> written best selling books. Do you want to be a storyteller? I mean, you must have spent some time with him. What a colorful character.
1: Yes. He's come here before, and he's given not at our festival to promote his book. And he's a huge uh, best-selling author in India, by the way, which is why he comes. And Jeffrey Archer, yes, he, he is, as you say, a man of many parts. I don't think he would like us to talk about his prison sentence too much, but he is as good a storyteller on the stage as he is in his writing. And you really have to hear him to believe that. He will stand on the stage, then he'll start pacing up and down, and he will mesmerize you with never a pause, never a stumble of words. They all come flowing as if it's all scripted. He, he knows everything by heart, one story after another, and and it's quite incredible. And I had the pleasure of having dinner with him after his last talk, and he struck up a good equation. I again avoided any talk of prison, which <laughs> Would end the evening a bit abruptly but we did talk of how he writes and so on and how he tells the story and and you know when he came to India and he met some people uh th- th- there was a, a friend of ours who mentioned something about her own life and yeah I, I suppose he took her permission and spun a story, short story out of that so he's also looking for these things so if you meet him, not this time, of course, the next time he comes. Be wary of telling your innermost secrets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the Chinese-American writer, Amy Tan, you must be so excited she j- that she joins the festival this year.
1: Amy Tan is again the we've been trying to get here uh, this time. She was actually in the middle of finishing a book, but she knows Siddharth Dharman Sangrugiki. Rather well, and Siddharth was instrumental in getting her. And they had a chat about it. She's very particular. She said no questions. Then she relented. Okay, I'll take questions from the audience, but she said no media, etc., because I don't want to be distracted from my book. Siddharth was talking about how she had come to Goa once, where he has a home, and they went to a quiet restaurant, just the two of them, to have lunch. And suddenly, they were surrounded by all these young women who said, you have to be Amy Tan. Are you Amy Tan? You can't be Amy Tan, (laughs) right? And of course, she was startled, but also, I imagine, quite pleased. And they said, you know, you have played such an important part in our lives. We read everything you write, and you've been a huge influence on us. And this is not in a literary festival where book lovers are gathered or something. This is just a normal little restaurant somewhere in Goa. So she has a fan following in this country. The subject she chose for her discussion with Siddharth is rather unusual, underrated and not often spoken about by writers, which is the role the, that the literary editor plays in the shaping of a book. And she's pretty candid about it. And she says that if you have a good editor, literary editor, and a let editor is not in the widely kind of known sense of someone who just chops things here and there, but someone who actually helps you shape a book. who who likes your work, so is willing to spend time on your manuscript and can tell you, look, why are you going into this direction? Why have you gone into this bi Or the editor may say, you know, I find this character so interesting and you, you have relegated that character to a very minor role. Don't you think you could flesh him or her out? So, you know, these are just examples I'm giving of what a a good editor can do. And that's why a lot of writers stick with one editor. And sometimes when the editor moves to another publisher, they would switch the publisher just so they have that editor. Now this role, which is so vital, I think will get highlighted. And that's something I think people who love books would like to listen to. It's not something often talked about.
0: The Tata Lit Live absolutely. annual debate is much looked forward to. Sometimes <laughs> it's fiery, sometimes it's controversial. And this year you've got Veer Sanwi in the chair. Uh, Malika Sarabhai and Shashi Tharoor are going to be speaking for the motion Aar Jagannathan and Shazia Ilmi against the motion Indian Democracy is in Danger. More relevant, don't you think, than ever before, Anil?
1: Yeah, absolutely relevant. Uh, see, Rishi, I know that the debate is one of the real highlights of our festival every year. And we hold it in Tata Theatre. I remember last year, Every seat, and there's 1,010 seats, every seat was taken. Not just that, but we turned away something like four or 500 people, and including the British Deputy High Commissioner and his wife, who came on time, but, but they were late in that sense. Uh, so why is it so interesting? Because the subject is always relevant, topical, also provocative. And, and as you say, it, it can be controversial. I remember the time when, uh,
0: oh God, I even forgotten his name. Anupam Kher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how just, can we forget?
1: Just shows how I wiped him from my memory. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Anupam quite... Kher got so incensed because the audience started booing him, that he said, "Anil Garkar, you got a paid audience." Which, of course, was bound to make him popular with the audience who would have such some more. Some people came to me next, later on in the evening, and said, We haven't been paid yet. So (laughs) that's what,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) But generally, it doesn't go into these kind of abuse and invective. Generally, and Shashi Tharoor has always been a part of the debate, almost always. It is a reasoned argument, sometimes fiery argument, but both sides make their point of view then we invite the audience to be part of the debate by asking questions. We are figuring out how to do that this year with a virtual audience. But it is a stunning thing and it's very structured. It's not a free-for-all. Everyone gets a fixed time, let's say seven minutes to make the argument, then three minutes for the rebuttal and so on and so forth. And this kind of structure helps in keeping the whole thing in order. So while it's a controversial thing, while it's provocative, It it is not like a TV debate where you people are basically just shouting and the one who who shouts the loudest wins the debate. Here, it's a question of who makes the most cogent and reasoned arguments in in favor of what they're saying. So it's a wonderful thing and I'm sure it will really work this time also. And we've got, as you mentioned, four really sterling names. And this time we made sure we had a man and a woman on each side to Have a gender
0: balance as well. Let's talk about the awards. The Lifetime Achievement Award is something that is very, very treasured. Past winners have included Shanta Gokhale, Girish Karnad, Mark Tali, Amitav Ghosh, and Naipaul. And this year, who are you giving it to? And the Poet Laureate Award, I'd like you to announce that too. Past winners have included Vikram Seth, Gulzar, Sachidanandan. So, who gets the Lifetime Achievement Award and who gets the Poet Laureate Award? The
1: Lifetime Achievement Award, doing this time to Ruskin bond, the much loved. Now, many writers like Nepal are not actually loved, they're admired, because they're controversial, they hold views which a lot of people violently disagree with. Someone like Girish Kannad also can raise a lot of controversies, like he did when he talked very disparagingly of Rabindranath Tagore's plays, and of course the whole of Bengal was upset about it. Ruskin Bond is universally loved, and he's loved across the ages kind of thing. Because he writes for children, he writes for grown-ups. He writes in this unhurried, relaxed way of a world he, he actually loves too. And that comes across so well in his prose. Uh, his, his prose is not, com- is not complicated. It's, it's, it's simple, but it's elegant. He notices things around him, he notices little things around him. He notices nature and he writes about nature. So Ruskin Bond is, I'm sure, going to be a hugely popular choice. As for Poet Laureate, it's going to be Javed Akhtar, who I think everyone knows. Javed Akhtar is a poet writing in Urdu. He's a very, very well-known writer of lyrics in our cinema. He's also a screenplay writer. And of course, everyone remembers Salim Javed, who wrote, amongst many other things,
0: they wrote... Name the film. Tiwar, Sholay, oh, Sanjeev. We could go on and on. <laughs> so Shole, that's, a, that's a wonderful oh, choice, the oh, Poet, Poet Laureate.
1: Now, the great thing about Javed Saab, as everyone calls him, the great thing about Javed is also he's, he's an incredibly articulate person. And he's also such a deep scholar of history, that which we will n- not be able to go into, I think, in the time given. But I've spent many an entertaining and interesting evening with him talking about The History of India. But what we will talk about is, first of all, he will read out his poems and they will be translated into English. Uh, Then I will have a conversation with him about his poetry. So it's going to be a, a pretty packed one hour, but should be really, really one of the highlights of the festival.
0: Book launches have always been a, a mainstay feature and we've got some very exciting ones uh, coming up this time around. Shashi Tharoor's book launch, The Battle of Belonging, followed by a discussion between Shashi and Christophe Jaffrelot, who's professor of Indian politics and sociology at King's College. That's one that I'm really looking forward to. The Dioliwalas. Now this is Dilip D'Souza with Joy Ma, uh, the Dioliwala's, the true story of the 1962 Chinese-Indian internment, and of course Rajdeep Sardesai and Ram Guha talking about the Commonwealth of Cricket. We will discuss the sport a little more, but I want this to come under the book launches. So the, the Commonwealth of Cricket, Shashi Tharoor's book, as well as the Dioliwala's. I'd like you to talk about that. The book launches at Tara Life. Rajesh, you mentioned
1: book launches. Yes, it's always an important part of. Uh, festival. This time we have a number of them. You've mentioned a few. Shashi Tharoor is an incredible man. And I remember having a conversation with him on the stage. And I said, Shashi, you're known for your extensive vocabulary. But there's a five-letter word you do not know. And he looked quite puzzled. And he said, really? What is that? And I said, I'll spell it out for you. It's S-L-E-E-P. <laughs> so I said, when do you sleep? Because you're giving talks all over the place. You, you're, you're a politician, full-time politician. You're a member of parliament. You've been a cabinet minister in the UPA government. Uh, you travel all over the world giving talks and things. Take part in debates like ours. And yet you produce book after book. And I think in this year you've produced three. And this is the third one. And it is massive. It's about 600 pages. And he he says very modestly, it's my magnum opus, as you said, the battle of belonging, which is about nationalism, patriotism, and what it means to be Indian. Again, as as you recognize from that subtitle, it's a very, very relevant subject. A lot of people in this country find that their patriotism is being questioned. If they get critical of of the government, a lot of people have defined nationalism as being ultra-nationalistic that my government can do no wrong, my leadership can do no wrong, I have to believe everything they say, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And these are dangerous trends in a democracy, because a political leadership should always be held accountable by the people who brought them into office in the first place. So the book comes at the absolutely the right time. And Christophe Jaffrello, who who is a, a Frenchman, actually, but he's constantly writing about India, is in fact, a specialist on Indian affairs. And you, you must have seen his articles. He writes a regular column in the Indian Express. So it's going to be a lively conversation. You mentioned uh, the Walas. Now, that is a subject which I'm so glad that uh, Dilip D'Souza and Joy Ma have brought out because it's something which we have brushed under the carpet. You know, it reminds me of the of what we read about the Second World War and in the U.S., And the the way the americans treated the japanese because the u.s was involved with japan so every japanese in that country and many of them born there including children were regarded as potential traitors and were put into internment camps for the duration of the war it's a disgraceful chapter in in the u.s and acknowledged as such now we have never talked about what we did with the Chinese in India when the Indo-China War happened in 1962. They were in turn, too. People who know Chinese origin people, who know nothing about China, who have been born here, who run restaurants here, or are dentists, or other professionals, or whatever. They were suddenly regarded with suspicion. They were regarded as potential spies and, and they were interned. So the book is about that. And that book is also in the running for uh, one of our awards. It's, I think, in the shortlist. The third book you mentioned is Ramchandra Guha's book, The Commonwealth of Cricket. Now, most people know Ramchandra Guha as a historian who's written extensively on Mahatma Gandhi. He also writes very strong columns about this whole issue of patriotism and nationalism. But he is also an ardent follower of cricket. And in fact, he wrote a book called Far Fields. I'm not sure exactly if that's the title. Many years back, is an outstanding book, which I would recommend to everyone. So this is a new book, and he'll discuss it with Rajdeep Saldesai, who himself, by the way, played for Oxford University. So is an Oxford blue in cricket. So Rajdeep also knows the game, and of course, he's the son of Dilip Saldesai, so he kind of imbibe cricket from the cradle so to speak so well, that should be an interesting conversation i would just like to refer to quickly is mm. something which is not exactly a joyful subject but it's a subject which we all think about which is death and this is Arun own again a well-known name and his book which is called preparing for death and it talks about how Famous historical figures have prepared for the end of their lives. Again, an unusual subject to delve into. But Arun always writes with great clarity, passion and belief. And I haven't read the book. I've got it. But it's something I look forward to. And death is a subject we try not to think about. But sooner or later, we have to confront each in our own way.
0: Music writing and sports writing have been integral parts of the festival. You know, my conversation with Ashish Ray and Dilip Doshi, the former India spinner last year was just so much fun. And in a past edition, the touring manager of the Rolling Stones, Sam Cutler had written this book called You Can not Always Get What You Want. And you have ample music as well as uh, sport writing in this time around. There's Reading the Game, which is yourself, nasiruddin Shah, Tharoor and uh, Ayaz Memon talking about your favorite books on cricket. And I leave you to tell us about the music session.
1: Cricket, as I, I mentioned, Ram Guha, Ram as being an ardent follower of cricket. And it's not just a question of following in the sense of, you know, watching the IPL or watching a you know, ODI or a test match. It's actually knowing about the history of cricket. And that is a case with Shashi Tharoor, who's passionate about the game, who, of course, who has been a professional sports writer. And it's true of Nasir, Nasir Nasiruddin Shah, Mm who, by the way, in his younger days, I've actually seen him play cricket, and he's pretty good at it. But again, these are people who are immersed in the history. Whereas you would find that a lot of today's cricketers know nothing of cricket at all. Once, I remember a famous instance with Virendra Sewag, someone mentioned Vinu Mankar to him, and he said, "Uh, Vinu Mankar, who is that? Wow. Right. So, you know, there are a lot of people may play the game, may watch the game, but know nothing about the game. Because cricket is not just a game. Cricket is history. I think it is such an intrinsic part of our culture, of the British culture and English culture. So I think going to be a lively discussion. I've been following it from childhood. In fact, one of the first books I read, I think, was A Century of Cricketers by A.G. Moyes of Australia, which listed the 100 best cricketers of all time. I still have that book somewhere. Coming to music, you very modestly have left it to me because you're involved. But Rishi music... And you are synonymous to Radio 1 and, of course, your knowledge of the subject. And last year, as you said you were able to talk to the Rolling Stones manager. This time, we have Craig Brown, who is a wonderful English writer. He was at our festival a couple of years back. But he's written a book on the Beatles, and you're going to talk to him about it. And I look forward to that session very much because, first of all, both of you know about music. We all love the Beatles. And Craig Brown is a wonderful storyteller. So when is it on? You should remember that. Do you know when, when it is on?
0: 20, 20 5.15 in the afternoon, in the evening, Indian Standard Time. So... Uh, Look up the schedule Data lit In the book of the year is another landmark. I mean, I can't take any credit for it. The fact that you chose George Orwell's 1984 in a previous edition and you chose Midnight's Children, which is the team in you, the Rushdie book, and you had eminent authors delivering a passage on what they felt about 1984 and Midnight's Children, and then it was a, a free flowing discussion. This year, what book uh, have you picked, and uh, well, what are you expecting? The
1: book in focus, we call it, is. Always a tricky one, Rashid. You know, when you name the books, it it sounds like obvious. But uh, to find people who are willing to speak about the book is not always easy. And this year we've chosen A Suitable Boy, uh, Vikram Seth's book, which of course is in the news now because of the the Netflix series. So it's it's very, very topical in that sense. Now the challenge again was to get people to uh, read it because it's not a new book. It's been around for a while. That's number one. Number two, it's a mere 1,500 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the suitable boy is more suitable for a doorstop, I would say. But, but we did find writers who would speak about it. And uh, I have to tell your listeners that Rishi does a great job of putting this whole R together by getting people to speak about it. So normally, we have an audience participation, which is always lively, isn't it, uh, Rishi?
0: Oh, it's great fun because there are aspects to the book that you would never, ever imagine. And, you know, somebody would just throw it up. But we've got to find ways of doing it online now. And that's the challenge for Kwasar and team. <laughs>
1: yeah. Maybe we'll get people to quickly send in comments, read them out, something like that. I think you're going to be a very vital part of it, even more than usual
0: this year. How to rescue the Indian economy? He's former RBI governor, but still known as Governor Rajan in lots of circles. Govindra Jethi Raghuram Rajan and uh, Jayati Ghosh, who's professor of economics, was professor of economics at JNU and then went on uh, to join the University of Massachusetts. I'm really looking forward to this, considering you know the, the doldrums that the economy is, the, the world economy at large and in particular the Indian economy.
1: Now, Raghuram Rajan, I think his book was called I Am What I Am. He is pretty frank about it. He's not one to kind of soft-pedal issues. He says what he wants to say. And I think that's that's what made him not very popular with the government when he was governor of the Reserve Bank. He gave a speech at our independence lecture one year, and he spoke so frankly. I think the packed audience was quite astonished because he was then the governor of the Reserve Bank of India. And also he... It's not just that he speaks frankly and candidly, but he also what he says. And he has foreseen the crash which happened in 2008. one of a few economists who actually saw it coming and wrote about it and spoke about it extensively. So I think he was then at the Chicago University where he's back now as professor. So he's a man who understands the world economy. He's not just someone who's been governor of the Reserve Bank of India, though that is high position enough. But he, w- he understands world economy, studies it, is able to foresee things, and he's willing to talk about it. And Jayati Ghosh is known for a left of center, her left-of-center views on the economy. If we had to place uh, Raghuram Rajan somewhere, we would put him on the right of center. So they bring a fine balance to this panel, which is why we got them together. Now, what they have to say about the Indian economy, uh, I'm very eager to hear. I imagine they will not be full of praise for our government handling of the economy. I think if we have to find people to sing the praises of. The handling of the economy, it would be a bit hard to do so. But you know, at the festival, we are not here to raise Caesar or to bury him. Right? Oh. We are here to talk about Caesar in an intelligent way.
0: Beautifully put. Which is
1: what I hope we will manage to do right through the festival
0: workshops and performances are a highlight of Tata lit live remember everything is free this year you have to get on to tatalitlive.in that's tatalitlive.in you will see broadcasts on the official website the YouTube channel the Instagram handle the Facebook page as well as the Twitter handle and do go and register if you want to ask questions in terms of workshops Faruk Dondi is doing a spinning tails for the web creating uh, compelling content I love that there's social consciousness uh, something that the festival has always emphasized on two Hungarian writers who were working with differently able people, a workshop on writing for differently able writers, a Swiss writer who's talking about start writing, keep writing, The Writer's Table, Milena Mosner. And uh the in the performances, there's the Golden Dragon, which is a play, The Snow Queen, wonderful for children, a musical retelling of the iconic Hans Christian Anderson tale. I'd like you to talk, however, about a plum and tonic, a wardhouse remedy. That's oh, something that all Wodehouse fans should definitely catch. <laughs>
1: The Hungarian writers you mentioned, you know, they work with uh, differently abled children and put on performances on the stage. And in fact, the plan this year was for them to bring a little group, which of course we have shared and hopefully we'll do it next year too. But they're going to talk about it, about writing for them. And Farooq Dhondi's workshop should be very interesting because that's what everyone wants to do, uh, write for the web now, write for Netflix, Prime, etc., etc. And Farooq Donde is a master at that. He was channel four in the the UK, running their their programs and so on. And so he knows what he's talking about. When you said that workshops and performances are free, of course, they've always been free. Um, But for... You have to register for the workshops because a workshop to be meaningful can have only about 25 people. So I would urge you to quickly go to the website, register so that it's first come first served. and you're too late, you're too late. To come to Woodhouse, Rishi, we all know how popular Woodhouse is in India. In fact, there are many Woodhouse clubs, I believe even today. And you would think that Woodhouse's passé is, you know, Woodhouse was there for an earlier generation, maybe my, my dad's generation. Forget my generation. But people are still reading him. People are still laughing. And Hal Kazanet does this whole performance with using Woodhouse. And Plum, of course, is what he was called, right? So Plum and Tonic, which is a nice player in Gin and Tonic. We will again be restricted by the whole problem of putting something on the stage, but they are going to do it and is going to make all of us laugh our heads off. I don't think you need a gin and tonic. <laughs> You'll, uh, you will just be you 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 will laugh your head like i said something i look forward to
0: there's also orpheus in unities and, Eury's, and uh, they've played over 350 shows and uh, look forward to that particular performance let's sign off with uh, 360 at campus and the little festival uh this is the second edition of the little festival for children that'll be a nice way to round up this discussion on tata let life 2020
1: a little festival is what amy Fernandez started last year and it There was a lot of interest in children and the idea was not to get privileged children uh, from the elite schools because they always have access to these things anyway. But to get municipal school children to come and they came last year in numbers and loved it and we gave them books to take home and so on. This year again this course is going to be virtual but it will be entertaining and the speakers that have been lined up are Quite wonderful, including Sudha Murthy, and Murthy's wife, who writes extensively for children. And she's such a great storyteller, believe me. So uh, she's going to be one of them. So that's something. And also there is a session for the differently able again. There's one where a story is told about how to tell stories blindfolded to experience what blind children look. You know, how they look, in inverted commas, at the world, how they see the world. So that is also very much a part of the festival. And about campus, 360 at campus, that is uh, Reena Agrawal, one of our team again, who is very active on campuses. And we again started this a couple of years back to take some of the speakers who come here and take them to colleges and colleges like Xavier's Wilson, Sophia, and so on are very much a part of this program. And, and their students are very, very keen, part of the audience. They're going to do that this year as well, virtually, of course. But, you know, these things, I'm very happy to say, are a part of our festival now, a permanent part of our festival. As far as the campus programs are concerned, we plan to do them right through the year. Maybe we can do the schools program also through the year. But let's see, that's for 2021.
0: Founder and festival Anil Dharkar. Thank you for the joy that you bring to this city through this wonderful festival and now in, indeed to the whole world because we're going virtual. Hashtag virtual festival real books. See you at the festival. Cheers. Thank you. you <laughs> Thank you. All
1: was the joy to talk to you.